Generation Church, based in the beautiful Rex Theater in the heart of downtown Pensacola, Florida. Our hope is that today's teaching will encourage and equip you to be firm in faith, to fulfill the call of God in your life, and to finish well. Grab your Bible, open up your notes app, and let's dive in. We're jumping into this 12-week series called The Red Letters, which is based off of the actual words of Jesus in Scripture. Most of you or some of you might have a Bible where the words are still in red. This Bible right here right here is not, um, but we learn valuable lessons, obviously, from Jesus. And so over the next 12 weeks, starting this week, we're going to look at fasting and prayer and then some encounters that Jesus had with people throughout his time of ministry, as well as some statements that are referred to as the I am's of Jesus. And so we're all believing as a team. And while we felt like God was telling us to do this series is because what better way to start than learning from Jesus himself, right? And so believing for a powerful year for you, praying for you, and believing uh, that today's is going to be the start of that. But he mentioned it, our season of prayer and fasting that's coming up, so it is no surprise that uh, we're going we're gonna to teach you on the first Sunday, or second Sunday of the year, rather, uh, about how not to eat, right? So it uh, sounds fun and exhilarating, uh, not at all, but... Um, we're going to jump in and look at a few passages this morning, uh, out specifically out of Matthew 6. But when you want to, if you want to go on your own time and learn more about what Jesus teaches specifically on fasting um, in the New Testament throughout the Gospels, there's several of the same account, obviously, through the Gospels. So you, we're going to be in Matthew 6 today, uh, but you could also read a little bit of teaching uh, Pastor Roger taught on and touched on last weekend in our celebration service about new wine and how he mentions that in Mark 2 and in Luke 5. And so today we're going to be with Matthew 16 verses, Matthew 6 verses 16 through 18. And I'm going to read it and then I will pray and we'll jump into it. It says this in verse 16, and when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning uh, that we have the opportunity to open up your word, to learn from your word, and to let it, to tra- and let it transform our lives, God. So we pray that this year uh, I speak over everyone listening, whether it's in this room or online, that this is the year of deeper revelation and understanding of who you are. So we give you all this time. Lord, prepare our hearts for what uh, to receive what you're going to teach us this morning, and we give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. All right. So how many of you have experienced seasons of fasting before? Or maybe this is your first time. It could be on any spectrum. Maybe you've done it a few times. And so if you're like me, the first time I heard someone teach on fasting, I immediately wanted to tune it out, right? I like to eat. I joke with my wife all the time that, and uh, friends that uh, if eating was a spiritual gift, then I have it because we love to eat. I'm learning that my youngest daughter, Amelia, uh, also has that gift. Uh, she eats about half a gallon of cereal a day. And uh, she got up this morning and walked right to the table and said cereal after being awake for, I don't know, a whole six minutes. But fasting is challenging. Uh, I've told stories before about 
um, how much I like to eat uh, and losing organs in my body because I ate too much, uh, like my gallbladder. But uh, when it comes to eating, a lot of times you would base a full stomach off of satisfaction, right? So if you've already started fasting this year and, and you started before tomorrow, uh, brace yourself for today because we're going to talk about food a little bit, but uh, it's going to work out for us, okay? And so when we jump into this season of fasting, maybe some of you have had uh, good experiences, powerful experiences, but maybe some of you haven't had that good of an experience. Maybe it was you felt like it was too challenging or it was too daunting um, or that maybe you even felt like that uh, God wasn't near you or wasn't answering what you're believing for during the prayer part. But what I want to learn today and what I feel like God has showed me uh, over the last month in preparing for this is that you don't fast to receive, you fast to simply get with God. And if that is your perspective, then the sky's the limit or there really is no limit with God because he will deliver you from that. And I have some experience now over the last 10 years with fasting from ministry school and, and here at Generation, but it, it, was all, it was never really a good experience. I grew up Catholic, so we celebrated Lent, right? And so for 40 days, I wouldn't eat French fries, or for 40 days, I wouldn't play video games. And what I learned in looking back on that is that I really missed a valuable lesson, that when you give up something without a spiritual component, you're really just hurting yourself, and that's what we're going to learn and what Jesus is telling us in this fast. And so when I was in ministry school, the first time I went through fasting, I started ministry school in August and there were older classmates in my school. And all they talked about was the fast that was coming in January. And I had never done it before. And they're like, and on top of that, it's going to be freezing cold outside and we're going to have prayer for 21 days at 6 a.m. And as a ministry school student, you have to be there. It sounded awful, Right. Nobody wants to get up that early, much less not eat. And then the fast comes along, and every student, it turned into a competition. If you want to see a, a spiritual competition, sit in a room full of ministry school students. Because one, the, all the different backgrounds, some people may think that they're more scholarly than others. And that was my experience. I remember going to class one day, during, maybe a week into the fast, and we were doing a Daniel fast with our home sponsors, and they walked us through it, my roommates and I. We get to school, and there's about four other people also doing the Daniel fast, but it's completely different than what we were doing. And it would turn into arguments. Or then you would have someone that was only eating one meal a day or wasn't watching TV or wasn't, you know, maybe they were fasting everything healthy. I don't know. Maybe that was their goal. Maybe they only ate McDonald's for 21 days. But uh, either way, it ruined it for me. Because my perspective was on not eating more so than it was on the prayer part and the pursuit part and chasing after God part. Really the most important part of fasting. And so what I love about this is that what you see, and Pastor Roger mentioned it last week too, but there's three key characteristics of a Christian. And we read all three of them in this chapter of Matthew 6, which is giving, prayer, prayer and fasting. And I don't think it's a mistake that prayer is in between both of them. Because I think that what Jesus is trying to teach us is that prayer is the life and soul of both giving and fasting. Without it, you're missing the whole point. Giving without prayer, you're just being nice, right? 
Maybe you're giving without the supernatural side of it. Fasting without prayer is just a painful diet, right? Yeah, there's this new world of intermittent fasting in the, in the health world, and I'm sure it's good for your body, but when it comes to spirituality, do not abandon prayer. Prayer is what connects everything we do to the supernatural. Prayer is what gets you in the presence of God. Prayer is what leads you and allows you to sense the Holy Spirit's directing and promptings. So prayer is the life and soul of both giving and fasting. And as we look at this text today, my challenge for you, whether you're new to fasting or you've been fasting in different seasons of your life, that we have an open heart and are asking for God to show us something new. I certainly feel like he's taught me a few new things this month preparing for this. And I love how we decided to do it as a church first. And you see in our text where it says that do it in secret, but there is power in doing it together. There's power when people are praying together and in agreement together. And so don't let secrecy say that we shouldn't do it together. But what the secrecy means is the devotion with God. Okay, and so Matthew 5, 6, it says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. And Matthew 6, 33, which is the end of the chapter that we're looking at today, says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So we want to give God our first. Maybe last year was tough. Maybe it ended bad. I know for me, I struggled a little bit spiritually and really wanting to dig into what God was calling me to do and, and experience his, his presence and his word like I had in the past. And I just felt kind of off. Maybe some of you have felt that way too. And so when we went into this season of prayer and fasting in this new year, my challenge for myself was to seek God with no expectation, no specifics, no nothing, just God. So that's my challenge for you this morning. Dallas Willard says this, Fasting confirms our utter dependence upon God by finding in him a source of substance beyond food. <clears throat> and so when you look up fasting in the original language, it breaks down to no food. There's nothing wrong with giving up a video game or giving up social media or giving up other things like that. But when you learn and the principle of fasting in the Bible is no food. There's all kinds of context throughout fasting. In Leviticus 23, they were commanded to afflict yourself with a food offering. Or sometimes it said afflict yourself with fasting. And so afflict doesn't sound like the best word, right? Sounds painful. It sounds uh, a little terrifying. Nobody wants to do that to yourself. But with the right motive and the right heart, that is where we experience God. In the Old Testament, they also fasted uh, for deliverance, they fasted for direction, they fasted for even in uh, seasons of repentance where they were going to war and they needed guidance. So the leader at that time would call a fast and they would seek the Lord corporately. And so, like I said, there's power in doing it corporately and there's even more power doing it individually. There's power in both. And so what does Jesus teach us about fasting? We know that the Pharisees fasted twice a week and they wanted people to know about it, right? Hence to why we have this kind of discourse and this interaction with Jesus teaching on this topic because he calls out the religious leaders big time. 
in this verse. So let me read it one more time. It says, And when you fast, do not look gloomy like hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, and that their fasting may seem by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but your Father who is in secret will reward you. So let me ask you a question. How many of you would say that uh, last year, you don't have to raise your hand, just think about it, but how many of you would say that last year you struggled a little bit with anxiety or worry or you weren't sure what was going to happen or maybe you stepped into this year bringing all the baggage from last year and you're not really sure what to do with it? Can I challenge you to fast? I don't believe it's a mistake that this is the whole setup of chapter six, right? Right after he talk, teaches on fasting, he goes into worry and anxiety, but then he ends it with seek first the kingdom of God. Fasting realigns our heart with God so that we realize that we're victorious over the anxiety and the worry that we have. It purges our hearts. It helps us to realize that God is better than what you're facing. It helps us rid everything in our bodies that maybe we've allowed to come in to rely on the bread of life, to fill you supernaturally so you're focused on him and nothing else. I'm reading a book right now called uh, The Pursuit of Holiness, and the author talks about, he makes it, he's talking about responsibilities as a Christian, and he says a lot of Christians want what God can give, but they aren't willing to take responsibility for their lives. And that kind of hit me right in the heart because I don't know how many times in my own life where I've just been begging God for something or begging God for breakthrough or begging God for an answered prayer, but I'm unwilling to even get up to spend time with him. Or I'm unwilling to serve the way that I know that I should or I'm unwilling uh, to just do my part, but yet I'm frustrated when I don't see what God is doing in my life. Maybe some of you can agree with that. That maybe this year is the time that we start with complete surrender. And if we can discipline our bodies to fast, then we can discipline our bodies and ourselves to follow only God and to pursue only him. Because true satisfaction is found in the presence of God. Not in the world, not in even what you do, not even in your church attendance or what you know, but in God and God alone. We cannot experience God's best if we are unwilling to give him ours. Now, I talked a little bit about my experience with fasting, but after ministry school, it seemed to get a little bit better in understanding fasting. I know a lot of you have heard uh, Shelby and I's story and how we were told that we weren't going to be able to have children without medication and all those infertility things. And we went through a season of prayer and fasting, and, and we found out we were pregnant two months after it. We were talking about it just yesterday, about how what I felt like now, looking back on that moment, what I felt like God showed me wasn't that he was going to answer my prayer, but he gave me faith to trust him, that no matter what, that his will was going to happen in my life. And I don't think I would have realized that without fasting and without prayer. Because all we did was just worry about, well, what's it going to look like if we don't have kids? Are we going to be able to afford all of this? But we went into that season of prayer and fasting and we disciplined ourselves and we pursued God. And yeah, we believe that, that that season and the day that Shelby got prayed over for healing planted a seed 
that blossomed into our daughter Olivia. But I, want, I don't want to say anymore that we fasted for Olivia. But we fasted for God. We fasted for a closeness with God. And we're to the point because of that that it didn't matter if he answered that or not. The closeness of God, every time I look at Olivia, whether I'm frustrated with her or she's doing the cutest thing ever, like I can't help but see God's faithfulness. I can't help but see and remember how it felt in leaving a small group full of married couples with kids. I think the first group we went to, three of the women in that group were pregnant. And we're sitting here thinking like, well, geez, why did God send us to this group? And it turned into such a support system. And they were the first people outside of family that we got to celebrate with because God was faithful. So I'm not going to tell you not to fast and pray and seek God on something specific, but don't seek the gift. Seek the giver. Because in your seasons of fasting and in what you're pursuing, without God, you're going to fall short every time. And what I've learned now is that I don't want anything else. That Jesus dying on the cross for me, God giving me his son in my place, if he never answers another prayer in my life, I don't need anything else. I have eternity. And when we fast, we're able to have that perspective. I had a college student that I used to lead uh, when I lived in Tuscaloosa, and every, he would do 21 days of prayer and fasting, no li- or like really nothing at all for the first week. And it always seemed like that his prayer, specific prayer that he was believing for in that fast would get answered the first week of prayer every time. It's happened three years in a row. And then he would just stop fasting. He wouldn't come to prayer anymore. And I used to get so frustrated when I'd ask him, I'm like, why, why do you stop though? Like, why are you just, you, you know, gave it your all during the first week of prayer. You didn't eat anything and you pursued God like crazy. And the moment you felt like God answered you, you left. There's something to learn in that is that it's a continual pursuit. It's not just, hey, I'm going to fast hoping that this is answered. And when it's answered, then I'm, I'm okay. I can go eat. I can go stop pursuing God like I was. Fasting is a lost art in Christianity. I think if you've got 10 people in a room and you ask them, do you give? They would say yes. Do you pray? Obviously. Do you fast? Absolutely not. I guarantee it. If I'm being honest, I left last year's season of prayer and fasting, committing that I was going to fast. And I didn't. I fasted twice, August and January. It should be a discipline I'm not saying that it's got to be every day. God didn't even command that it's got to be every day, every week. He didn't even give a time frame. But God does expect holiness from us. And through fasting, we're able to grow in holiness. So as we move forward into this discussion, I feel like there's two main things that Jesus shows us in this Teaching And this quote's in your notes. I think it's a little further down, but I feel like I should go ahead and share it. But it's by Warren Wearsby, and it says, The most important part of a Christian's life is the part that only God sees. That's so powerful. 
Because I think with what Jesus is saying to the religious leaders that we fall into that problem a lot is that we can't detach our wants and our will from our own selves most of the time, so we try to fit God into that instead of submitting to God's will. And our challenge this year in this fast is to serve God in such a way that the world around us is changed. So why not? Why not fast? So there's two things that we could learn from our text today. And the first one is that fasting is about an inward devotion, not our outward appearance. And boy, did Jesus hammer the the Pharisees, right? They wanted to be known. They made themselves look spiritual. If you would, I would assume seeing these religious leaders during the season of fast, you would be, they would look miserable. There is nothing that God can do or has already done in your life that would ever warrant us to look miserable. Nobody's going to want the faith that you have if you look miserable. In fact, it may look like you have no faith at all. Fasting isn't supposed to be where you walk around and just talk about, oh, I haven't ate anything in a whole week or have this laundry list of restaurants that you're committed to going to as soon as the fast ends, right? I've done that before. I know I'm not the only one. (laughs) But fasting needs to be a normal part of our lives. It needs to be a normal discipline. If we're going to want all that God has for us, can I challenge you to give him your all Today, if you want his best, give him your best. And we touched on this when we first read our text, but there's so much more to fasting than how we look or what we want to receive. The entire point of fasting is to take what the world has deposited in your life and allow God to remove it so that God can fill it with his presence. That means that we're going to lay aside our desires and allow God to put his desires for our lives in our heart. That we're going to Maybe take some sin that we're struggling with and surrender it to him and let, it, lay to the, let him cast it out so we don't struggle with it anymore and fill it with the victory of the cross and his presence so that we don't have to struggle anymore, or that we see that God has been there all along. So whether you've experienced whatever your experiences is when it comes to fasting or this is your first time, please just do one thing, and that is devote yourself to God. There's been seasons of prayer in my life where I've, or fasting in my life, where I only focused on the fasting part. And then it ends and I go eat and I feel just as broken as I did before I started because I had zero pursuit, zero devotion, zero time in the world, in the word, zero time with my church family. My focus was off. Don't let that be the case for you. Don't let last year be this year. Pastor Roger touched last week on the, the other uh, portions where he talked, where there, Jesus is asked about fasting and he uses the analogy of old wine and new wineskins or new wine and old wineskins. God doesn't want you to stay in the old. He has a fresh start from you, for you. He has a fresh anointing for you. And sometimes it takes afflicting your body, taking away the normal ability that you've had or the normal desires that you have for a season to lay it aside and let God pick it back, pick you back up together and to put you back together so that you can be who he has called you to be. And the second thing is that fasting is a humble act that connects you 
with an eternal reward. Fasting is a humble act that connects you, connects us to an eternal reward. What does that mean? Is that everything that we think we could potentially fast for on this earth does not hold a candle to what's waiting on us in eternity. And I don't know about you, but I want to experience the cross every day. I want to experience what Jesus did for me on the cross in my place so that I can know him more. I can know him better. I can see what he has done for me. But it starts with a humble act saying that it's not about me. It's not about who I think I am or who I think I should be. It's not about even what you struggled with. I know it was probably hard and I know you probably wanted to give up or maybe even thought that this Christianity thing or this church thing wasn't for you. But what I can assure you is, is that if we can humbly surrender our hearts to God, then we get to live in his heart for us. Don't miss that. It's hard and it's painful and I think it's supposed to be. But the reward is great. He mentioned it in our text in verse 17. It says, because they, you know, where they make you, they don't wash their face or they don't clean up and they look miserable, they got their reward. What do you think their reward is? Not God, right? It should have been them. They were the pastors of that day, the church leaders of that day, but they got it wrong. They wanted to look spiritual. They wanted to look like they had it all together, but they could not have been far from God. They look shiny on the outside, but miserable on the inside. With a humble spirit as a Christian, it's all about God and growing in him to see that our reward is Jesus. And yesterday I was reading in John 3, and we've all heard this verse, but John 3.30 that says that he must increase and I must decrease. I felt like God showed me Something a little deeper in that verse that I've never really seen before. That is John the Baptist talking or being quoted when his disciples essentially ask him if he's going to do anything or if he's upset that Jesus and his disciples are now baptizing more people than he is. And if you think about what John's life was, his role, his job, his calling was to prepare the way for Jesus but he was the man in charge for a long time. He was the face of this ministry. He was the face that people wanted to be again, to be with. Some people thought that he was the Messiah. Some people thought that he was Elijah. They wanted to be with him, but the second that Jesus and his disciples started baptizing people, his ministry became much less than it was. That's probably hard. But his response, that God must increase and I must decrease. What a humbling spirit to realize that if Jesus is in the picture, he needs to be first. And we have to humble ourselves and to surrender our will, to lay down our will and pick up his. Otherwise, we will miss out. And as we get ready to close and the the band comes up, Last November, we get together as a team, and uh, we call it Stratop, and we go down uh, to the beach and plan the whole year and seek the Lord and, and the direction that he, we feel like he's leading us as a church. And when we decided to do this, this series on the red letters, and Pastor Brian and I had talked about uh, me having the opportunity to teach on fasting 
driving home that day, I believe, I felt like the Lord showed me Psalm 34, 8. It has nothing to do with fasting, but I felt like maybe it was just a word for me to hold on to for this year, but I feel like in this season of fasting, it's something specific, and it says to taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. And so I apologize again if some of you are already fasting by throwing the word taste out there because maybe you haven't tasted anything. Or maybe you took communion earlier when you drank that juice. You're like, oh, yeah, this is good. (laughs) But what does it mean to taste and see that God is good? Theoretically, it seems like something that's easy. And maybe when you read it, you've always just looked and seen that. Well, yeah, God, God needs to be the most important thing. That's not wrong. It's not a wrong thing to think. But when you think about who said this, which is King David, and you think about the life and through the Psalms and how many of his Psalms directly, he's asking God, hey, where are you? How long must I wait? The whole time he's fleeing from Saul, I guarantee you that was hard. I don't think anybody wants to go live in a cave or be on the run for their lives. Then he says something like this, taste and see that the Lord is good and blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. And so when I looked up this this, uh, verse in the original language, both taste and see share a word in the same definition or in their definition. And it is the word to perceive. What does perceive mean? What does it mean to perceive something. According to Google, it means to become aware or conscious of something, come to realize or understand, or it says to interpret or look on someone or something in a particular way. So how does that relate to this challenge as we go into this season of prayer and fasting? Normally we've done 21 days and it's super challenging. Every year, it's almost, there's a, hard, a large part of me that's like, oh, thank God my birthday is not in January. <laughs> but when we got together as a team this year, we're like, what if we just knocked it down to a week and made it seem more uh, attainable, more possible for all of us to do it together? And sure, there's different ways to do it. Liquid fast, Daniel fast, however you want to look at it. But when we perceive, when we become aware or conscious of the presence of God, or we come to realize God and the impact that he has in our lives, or we begin to look at God in a particular way, then this is what we understand. Is that God is the ultimate source that can satisfy, satisfy us greater than anything that we could possibly eat. So I don't know what that means for you. I don't know what it means as we go into this season of fasting for you, but I do want to challenge you to do it. Just, just go for it. Join us tomorrow night as we pray, we seek the Lord, and we fast. Ask God how you should fast.
but I promise you that when we seek the Lord, when we fast, we realize that we had enough all along. And his name is Jesus. That when you feel like this world's against you, you have Jesus. When you fast and you, your back's up against the wall, you realize that God's standing behind you, not that you're far away from God or where God is. Fasting helps you to perceive that God is better than the season that you're in and that God is better than the pain that you're facing and the uncertainty that you have. But fasting helps us to perceive or to taste and see that God is all we need and that we've had more than enough all along. Will you join us in this season? Can we declare starting tomorrow, January 8th through January 12th, that we will commit our hearts and our lives to the Lord, that we will give up things and, and afflict ourselves as the Old Testament says for the greater of what God has in store for you. And so these are the lines, you have lines in your notes, but I wanted you to write down these declarations as we get into this season of prayer and fasting. And that is, I will be willing. I will be consistent and I will be expectant. If you're none of these things, when you go into a season of fasting, I can promise you, you're not going to get anything out of it. Be willing. That's where it starts. Be consistent. Don't let what other people were doing get in the way of the ultimate pursuit of God and what he's trying to do in your life. And then be expectant. There is blessing on the other side of your obedience. What would it look like? I think of that verse in the Old Testament. For those that humble themselves... Restoration comes with fasting. Restoration and redemption and breakthrough comes through fasting. And that's what we want in our prayer is for you to experience a deeper level of God than you ever have before. And so as we stand and we get ready to go back into worship this morning, I just want to pray for you this year, for this year. Maybe you did come into this Sunday and maybe you've already ruled out this year. Maybe you're already just done with it and you're looking forward to hopefully something else happening but I can assure you that apart from God you will feel lost every day there may be things in a season that helps but you'll wonder what's missing and it starts with Jesus maybe you haven't met Jesus yet maybe you haven't accepted him into your life or committed your life to him we want to give you that opportunity today. We're not going to ask you to raise your hand or come down to the front. I just want you to make that decision in your heart and say something like, Jesus, come into my life. Lord, I surrender all of myself to you. The good, the bad, the pretty, the ugly. I ask for your forgiveness and I ask you to save me, Lord. And so God, we give you this time, Lord, that in this season of fasting, God, we ask you, to do what only you could do. Help us to be obedient. Help us to challenge ourselves. Help us to lay everything at your feet so that we could have only you. 
So we give you this time as we worship. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for hanging out with us at Generation. You can connect with us on Facebook or Instagram at Generation Pensacola or go to the website at generationpensacola.com and from wherever you download your podcasts. If today's teaching impacted you, we'd love to hear about it. So please drop us a note.